Hi, this is Sean Blackshear, life insurance broker for First Family Life Allegiance. Did you know that life insurance not only will cover you if you pass away, but it's also used to build a legacy for your family. It can also help you generate income. It can protect your mortgage and it can cover you with any kind of medical affliction. Please contact me at 314-374-3412. Or please drop me a message on on Facebook and like the page at First Family Life Allegiance or go to my website, firstfamilylifeallegiance.com and schedule an appointment and I'll call you at a time that works for you. Welcome to Title VII, The Movement. Hashtag the right to sue. The podcast that speaks to the specific world-world subject of employment as it pertains to workplace discrimination, and its defender, the controversial Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I'm Paige. This is my co-host, Griffin. Hi. Please subscribe to this podcast and make sure that you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Seventh Amendment of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII, covers both state and federal laws prohibiting employment discrimination, outlining five major protected classes, race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. Workplace discrimination is illegal. However, data shows it's still a huge problem. To begin to understand the problem, we have to understand the systems that shape the discriminatory workplace in humane society. We can only do it by doing research and by talking to experts to clearly explain these systems and the historical context by exposing the circumstances that form the settings for discrimination in the workplace. And it's explained in terms of which it can be fully understood and accesses the problems and potential solutions. Our aim is to present employees and employers with in-person and written personal testimonies along with case study information citing relatable circumstances and similar situations that will empower whosoever wills with the capacity to execute a compelling need to have Title VII law enforced to defend civil rights in the workplace, helping to eliminate hostilities due to discrimination that result in racism, Our mission is to make impact now, in real time. So what is a complaint of discrimination? A discrimination complaint is an allegation reported by an aggrieved person, current or former employee, or applicant for employment, who believes that they have been discriminated against on the basis of race, color, sex, age, religion, national origin, disability, retaliation, reprisal, sexual orientation, gender identity, genetic information, or parental status due to an action or inaction that adversely affects one's employment. Allegations of discrimination must be reported to an EEOC counselor within 45 calendar days of the date of the alleged discrimination act or if a personnel action is involved within 45 calendar days of its effective date. The EEOC counselor must fill out an intake form, provide you with a statement of your rights and an overview of the EEOC process and immediately notify the agency of your complaint. 
The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, which includes North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia, has substantially lowered the legal bar for plaintiffs to demonstrate a hostile work environment based on race. When the alleged conduct involves use of racial slurs, the court has concluded that even one use of such language in the workplace can be sufficient to meet this standard under the Title VII of the federal civil rights law. However, the Fourth Circuit refused to extend this reasoning to require automatic termination of an employee who used such language. In the case of Balsamore versus Best Buy, the African-American plaintiff alleged that a co-worker told a racist and sexist joke in her presence that included the N-word. After she complained to Human Resources, the co-worker was given a final written warning concerning his behavior, and no further incidents were reported. The plaintiff sued, claiming that Best Buy's failure to terminate the offending co-worker resulted in a hostile and offensive work environment by forcing her to continue to work with that employee. The Fourth Circuit Court affirmed upheld the dismissal of the complaint. The court noted that the warning provided to the employee was the final step before termination and that it had apparently proven effective in preventing further incidents. The Fourth Circuit noted that Title VII does not prescribe employers' reactions to violations of their EEOC policies and that a federal court doing so would result in micromanagement of employers' human resources practices. As long as the measures taken are effective, the court will not second-guess them. This decision may have been different if the joke was told by a supervisor. In that situation, the implied authority that a manager may hold over minority employees could result in a conclusion that a warning is not adequate to address the situation and to prevent further occurrences. Supreme Court holds that claims for intentional discrimination under Section 1981 must meet the but-for causation test. In the relevant case, Entertainment Studios Network, ESN, an African-American-owned television network operator, sought to have Comcast Corporation carry its channels. Comcast refused, citing lack of programming demand, bandwidth constraints, and a preference for programming not offered by ESN. In 2015, ESN and the National Association of African-American-Owned Media, collectively ESN, sued, alleging that cable television conglomerate Comcast's behavior violated Section 1981. Section 1981 of the Civil Rights Act prohibits intentional race discrimination in all forms of contracting, including employment. Lower courts split as to whether a 1981 plaintiff must prove that race was only one motivating factor among several, or whether a plaintiff must allege and prove that race was the but-for cause of the challenged decision. The Supreme Court recently resolved this split, relying on textbook tort law and statutory language to resolve the circuit split. 
the Supreme Court unanimously reversed the Ninth Circuit's decision rejecting its contention that a Section 1981 plaintiff bears only the burden of showing race was merely a motivating factor in the defendant's challenge decision. Instead, the court held that there is no historical or textual basis for such a diversion from the default but for standard, and therefore, a Section 1981 plaintiff must establish but for causation throughout the lawsuit, including at the pleading stage, as the elements of a claim remain constant through the life of a lawsuit. So in other words, but for the defendant's unlawful conduct, the decision would not have occurred. In the Comcast case, the African-American-owned television network operator sued Comcast because Comcast refused to enter into a contract to carry the operator's networks. During negotiations, Comcast cited several non-discriminatory legitimate business reasons for not wanting to enter into the contract. But the network operator sued, alleging that despite these potential legitimate reasons for Comcast's position, Comcast was only motivated by racial bias. The district court granted Comcast's motion to dismiss on the basis that the network operator had not sufficiently alleged, but for racial hostility, Comcast would have contracted with the operator. The Ninth Circuit reversed, holding that a plaintiff only needs to show that race played some role in deciding not to enter into a contract and that under this standard, the plaintiff had stated a viable claim. In doing so, the Ninth Circuit relied on the causation standard. The cause and effect continued in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which was specifically amended in 1991 to provide that an employee could prove unlawful discrimination under Title VII by merely showing that race or other protected characteristics were involved as a motivating factor in the challenge decision. The Supreme Court rejected this reasoning, noting that Congress did not specifically adopt this motivating factor standard for Section 1981 claims. Although the 1991 Civil Rights Act did amend Section 1981, broadening its coverage in other respects. If Congress intended for the motivating factor standard to apply to Section 1981 claims, the Supreme Court reasoned that Congress would have specifically said so when it amended the statute in 1991. In many employment discrimination cases, the impact of the Comcast decision may be limited because in cases of race discrimination, an employee may also have a potential claim under Title VII. As under Title VII, an employee needs only to show that their protected characteristic, whether it be race, color, national origin, sex, religion, etc., was a motivating factor in the alleged discriminatory decision. The statute of limitations generally is four years for a claim under 1981, but an employee needs to file an EEOC charge in only 300 days from the date 
of the decision being challenged. This means that an employee may still sue for intentional race discrimination without filing a timely EEOC charge, but must prove discrimination under the more stringent but for standard. Based on the applicable statutory language and Supreme Court precedent, the level of proof required to prove unlawful discrimination varies depending on the type of discrimination alleged. A plaintiff alleging Section 1981 racial discrimination has the burden to prove and to plead that race was the but-for factor in suffering the loss of a legally protected right. Employers facing Section 1981 claims or encourage to consider seeking a dismissal if sufficient facts are not alleged to meet the but-for causation standard. Facts must be sufficient. In disparate treatment or status discrimination cases under Title VII, an individual can use either the traditional but-for causation standard or the lesser mixed motive standard. In Title VII, retaliation cases, ADA cases, Age Discrimination and Employment Act, Section 1981 cases and others that currently utilize only the but-for causation standard. It is worth noting that the standard does not require that the protected characteristic, an example, age, be the one and only cause of the adverse action. That is against people 40 years of age and older. The individual must prove that the protected characteristic was a but-for cause In other words, but for the individual's protected characteristic, the employer would not have taken the adverse employment action. The existence of other legitimate reasons does not necessarily end the inquiry. A review of the recent Entertainment Studios Network versus Comcast decision may prove helpful when addressing motions to dismiss and motions for summary judgment, as Comcast emphasizes what a plaintiff must plead and prove doing a case under a but-for-causation standard. The podcast Title Seven: The Movement, hashtag the right to sue, will inform you of case scope and discovery. We will recount past, present, and potential cases for potential present or current cases that the team believes may serve as president of an example or guide to be considered in a subsequent similar case. Education about the process, the determinants, the law itself, etc., The cases can be large in terms of settlement, controversial in terms of outcome, feature celebrity of notable respondents. That will be the tone for the program. The problem lies within the mediators colluding with employers and the dismissal of cases and causes. Current case analysis in pursuit of the right to sue, current cases that have gone through the courts that are perhaps headed into mediation or in the appeal process. We may have access to information to help navigate our listeners through the process that they may not know of or understand or would have access to otherwise. Being mindful of any pending court litigation of the cases, our guest attorneys would not want that information discussed. Our legal experts will weigh in to provide instructions and directions in advance of a final determination and help our listeners know what you need to to prove and how to prove for purposes of explanation and legal interpretation. And as we continue to talk about Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, there are questions and answers that everyone will need to know, such as, what employers are covered? Well, 
those with 15 or more employees. What's prohibited? Termination or failure to hire on account of race, sex, national origin, color, or religion. Discrimination with respect to any term or condition of employment. Retaliation for engaging in protected activity. Harassment, adverse impacts against a protected class. Well, now you might think, what's an adverse impact? Adverse impact is a policy or action that is facially neutral, but nevertheless adversely affects a protected class. If an employer can demonstrate that all or substantially all of a protected class cannot perform a specific function, the employer may discriminate on that basis. Some examples of terms or conditions of employment are promotions, wages, employment benefits. May an employer take adverse action against protected individuals? Yes, so long as it bases its decision on a legitimate, non-discriminatory reason. What type of harassment is prohibited? Quid pro quo. Certain benefits of employment are conditioned as sexual demands by the victim's supervisor. Hostile work environment. Workplace is permeated with severe and pervasive insult, intimidation, and ridicule. A few examples of protected activity is filing for a charge of discrimination with the EEOC or a state, complaining to employer about purported or alleged discrimination, acting as a witness in connection with a discrimination investigation. What are potential penalties? Back and front pay, compensatory damages, reinstatement, punitive damages or attorney fees. A few top tips for Title VII. Include anti-discrimination and harassment policies in your employee handbook. Apply employment policies consistently to all employees and applicants. Provide annual harassment training. Document all disciplinary actions. Don't inflate performance reviews. Take all complaints of discrimination and harassment seriously. Take prompt remedial action if discrimination or harassment is proven. Recognize some state anti-discrimination laws with greater protection and don't give contradictory or unprovable reasons for an adverse employment action. We will solicit callers from the listening audience who feel that they in some way have experienced workplace discrimination in whatever capacity, accuser or accused, individual or management personnel, past, present or future. If you have a compelling situation or think you have a potential case or have received the right to sue, we invite you to tune in on air, share your experiences, and join the Title VII movement, hashtag the right to sue. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and make sure you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.